Well, we have the uh, internet famous uh, Dallas Stars fan, Matthew Day, on the podcast this week. I can't yes. believe he's joined us, Claire. Like I He's know. come down from his kind of Twitter pulpit and he has been able to join us. How it's has incredible. he got the time? I mean, lots to talk about. I think that we might actually even squeeze a rant out of Matt by the end of this podcast, because if I'm honest, he and a few other people are not too happy that Vancouver Canucks season's been extended. Um, grumpy, mm, grumpy, grumpy Americans. I imagine a few Philadelphia fans are feeling very similar. Uh, we're talking that. We're also talking trade deadline. What's to unpick a few questions have come in from you as well and um yeah this is a this is a very weird time of year but a very exciting time of year i have no idea the structure of this podcast so we're going to play some music and we're going to see where on earth the next hour takes us So welcome to NHL Fans From Afar. Um, We are a bunch of fans that just love the NHL, basically. We do not claim to be experts. Uh, We do not claim to know absolutely everything. We have terrible pronunciations of many of the players in the league. Uh, So please do not expect full professional service. You can go to Sportsnet, NHL, you know, NBCSN, whatever they're called, for all of that. But probably not here. We are people who just love watching hockey and hopefully our passion is shared with you. And actually, a lot of different comments have been coming through us on our Twitter feed this week at NHL Fans From Afar. Uh, you can email us to NHLFansFromAfar at gmail.com. So uh, on the panel today, I'm Claire Freeman. Uh, we have Jolon of the Kemp Walker on the panel today I can tell you've been watching trade deadline coverage i know i know <laughs> on the panel today <laughs> we also have matthew day matthew day i'm i'm full naming you there matt day are you matt or a matthew i never actually matt. asked matt. right well you should change yeah, you your zoom matthew. then really shouldn't I've you ne- i've never been on a panel before this is quite exciting <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean that makes us sound like we know more about what we're talking about than uh, than we actually do. I think um, you're going to give us a full-on NHL um, introduction. You know how, how they do, like from from Barry, South Wales. It's Jolan Kemp Walker, and from somewhere in Worcestershire. <laughs> and that's where the professionalism ends, yeah. clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I have to be honest with you, right? I'm just going to put it out there. This is not going to be a popular um, opinion. Oh, dear. Oh, no. What was your last one of these? I remember <laughs> it. I, I can't remember what it was, but I remember it being very bad. Well, there are there are no testicle jokes or fruit bowl analogies coming up. No, 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 no. I I I think most people will listen to podcasts right now and be loving picking apart trade deadline. But I actually find yeah. this weekend one of it's like a weekend that I feel like I feel a bit stupid as an NHL fan if I'm honest like I don't re- I struggle to know all the names 
And then I'm also thinking, right, so what's that team's cap? What does that mean for them? Um, like, and if they do that and then how they do that, like, it just, I find it so confusing. And now I think that we're seeing more and more this idea of like kind of renting or like trading cap space, if you know what I mean, like these real kind of complicated deals by like, they're just, they're just very clever, I suppose. And I'm hearing that that's going to happen more, particularly over summer. I sometimes feel a little bit overwhelmed at this time of year. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's why I do NHL fantasy because I think it helps me learn more about the players, not just the teams and their history. It reminds me of this sport of how many layers there really are to get to know as a fan. And I think, uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I mean, this is not what we're going to do, but I could probably talk to you for the next 50 minutes all about the Toronto Maple Leafs cap management and all of that kind of stuff but I can't do it for the other teams because you know there's only so much you can do and as a fan you take an interest in your team and and obviously going through the trades that affect your team and maybe the teams in your division but it's a huge league and then I you know I was feeling a little bit the same as you kind of with some of this stuff trying to get my head around who that was and why they made that move and all of this kind of stuff and then somebody would throw in Seattle and I was like oh my god there's a whole nother like layer of this like teams are moving players because they want to get something before they get exposed to Seattle and it's it's a hugely complicated time but I think you know really for fans ultimately all they care about is whether their team got better or and by better I mean either they got better in terms of their team right now or they got future prospects that are going to make their team better when their team is going to be better so that's really all that fans care about yeah prospects bit that I struggle with because yeah I only really know my own team's prospects. And so when you see these trades and there's a prospect going one way, but you know, there's a pick going the other and, or like one of the bigger deals, like Taylor Hall and then somebody else is thrown in and you go in, is that a good deal? Is that bad? Is that guy any good? I don't know because there's only so much you can take in for your own team, let alone the other 30, now 31 teams it's a a lot so I I do understand Claire it's so true and you do you you can drive yourself mad by looking into it and I always love looking at kind of comments of of trades and stuff and you're right Matt like you see the the Taylor Halls the uh, Nick Foligno's the Savards those kind of names and then you see the pick that you have no idea who they are and you click on the tweet and you see their fan base absolutely losing their mind over this prospect that they've just given up and you're like it's yeah it there's so many layers to this but i don't think we're gonna this isn't the podcast where we're going to be going deep on prospects don't worry we are going to be looking at some of the uh, the big names and some of the big general themes that have happened over the last couple of days i hope it is anyway otherwise i've got very little to add <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes i was thinking today how like could you imagine a monopoly game played by several gms in the nhl like how that yeah. would work you know have you ever played um the <laughs> yeah, board yeah, yeah. the like... board game um rummy cub as well where you have to yeah. break up sets and move the numbers around and basically you can get someone who's really boring and just adds one on the end or you can get someone who basically i don't want to swear but they f the whole board up in one move just to really peeve everybody else off I, I, I mean, the way that some of these GMs' minds work, I am so fascinated. Like, but also the people who work with the teams. Like, I don't know if you watched um, Kyle Dubas's kind of media availability after the trade deadline. He was asked by 
one of the media um talked to me about the um i'm paraphrasing the question but it was like talk to me about the influence and and help somebody somebody like brandon pridham who is the one of the leafs assistant gms has and kyle dubas who is a pretty straight talking person and, and keeps things pretty um down the line was just beaming ear to ear and he couldn't help himself smiling away just going yeah i mean the guy's basically a genius <laughs> like he comes up with this stuff and he is you know and and for every team there will be somebody like that who is constantly working at ways of optimizing their their cap and optimizing various different things they can do and yeah it's a, it, it, you can imagine i love the idea of playing monopoly with those kind of people because because the, the the trades they would be doing, like I'll uh, I'll take your pal mal off you with the debt there, but what I'll do is I'll trade it back to you in three turns time. But what you are going to have to do is throw in an old Kent Road, okay? You throw in that old Kent Road, but I'm going to build hotels on that, and then when the hotels have been built, that's when I will cash it in. And it would be this super. Is so so true. But see, like Rachel sent us a question and totally valid question. She said. Do you know what is in it for the team that retains a percentage of a traded player's salary? Why would teams opt to do that? And I think it's a really, really simple question because yeah. when you come in, you're like, what? So like they yeah. just basically gave a player away, but they still got to pay half his salary. Why? Well, essentially, and you know, the Taylor Hall example is the, is the best one at the moment out of this recent trade deadline. Essentially, teams who, you know, you've got a scenario like Taylor Hall, who's got a no movement clause, and we'll come on to talk about that later, but he is only going to go to a select few teams, and those teams can't afford under the salary cap to pay his full wages, his 8 million or whatever it was. And so the only way that Buffalo were going to be able to move a player like Taylor Hall and get assets back, because remember, when we talk about rentals and the reason why trade deadlines are so key is because Taylor Hall, for example, and any unrestricted free agents or UFAs, as they're called, those players are essentially able to walk away from that team this at the end of this season. So those teams like Buffalo you might think, well, why would they get rid of Taylor Hall for the rest of the season? The reason is he's probably going at the end of the of the year anyway, and Buffalo have got nothing to to win this year at all, apart from maybe a bit of pride. But they then move him out with a few months to go, and then they get stuff back for him, which they wouldn't do in the summer. And that, at, but essentially, teams are saying, well, no, we haven't got eight million, you know, on our cap to be able to do it. So you're going to have to keep some of that money. But the way to look at it for fans wondering why would a team do it is would you prefer to be paying $8 million to Taylor Hall or $4 million to Taylor Hall, which is essentially what the Buffalo Sabres have done. They've saved themselves $4 million because they had to pay him eight. So it's all about that. And then there is another layer where teams actually just take on salary who aren't even involved in the, the in the trade between the players. And that's where it gets kind of next level complicated. But they can they can harvest little bits of stuff from that. They can say, well, okay, team who is really struggling against the cap will take 25% of that player's salary for the rest of the month. Now, remember, that's only till the end of the season. So it's actually quite a small amount of money. It's not those full big numbers in terms of real cash, but chuck in a sixth round pick. So we'll get that prospect off you. And it might be a bust. It might be a great player to get, but it's all about just building your chances and trying to use those things. And cap space is essentially a currency 
in a cap world that mm. can be used much like money and everything else see when you kind of mention about teams kind of come in and they're not even part of the trade seemingly you look at that deal that the maple leafs acquired nick Foligno and stefan noson yeah. you know the blue jackets basically get maple leafs first round pick in 2021 they get a fourth round pick in 2022 and then they have to retain 50 percent of Foligno's cap hit whereas the sharks come in like a three-way the sharks yeah. step in and say hey maple leafs don't worry, we'll take 25% of Foligno's cap hit, but just give us a fourth round pick in 2021. I mean, yeah. what the heck? It's like a I mean, complicated threesome. I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I actually potentially don't like this, this third team coming in because it actually makes a mockery of the cap. So yeah. the whole point of the cap is that the team's it can only spend so much money. So potentially you can only have so many star players. It's meant to even the league up and everything. And we all know it doesn't quite work that way. But one of the reasons it doesn't work that way is because teams like Toronto, uh, Vegas, and other teams that did, the Lightning did a three-way deal, they can end up paying just 25% yeah. of a 5 million contract. Mm. Now, obviously, like Jonathan says, they're not paying that much money. But in terms of cap hit, they're only getting 25% of the cap hit for a player that's on a five million contract. You end up with teams, 10 million, potentially 20 million over the cap hit. Tampa. Tampa uh, apparently yeah. were at 95 uh, halfway through the season. I think they're, um, they're 18 or 20 million over. Well, they're over the salary cap for next season. They've only got 14 players under but, contract. But so because the cap doesn't count when you get to playoff time, you, you've got all this gymnastics going on, like the Leafs sign somebody who is uh, on long-term injured reserve just so they could increase their cap. That's yeah. another loophole that, that just means that teams are able to build a much stronger side and go over the cap and it just it just kind of i suppose it's within the rules no rules have been broken but i think it does mean what's the point of having a cap if there's so many loopholes to get around it and build teams over the cap and 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 things you kind of then go well what is the point i can understand that point and the only thing i do wonder though is whether by having by making those rich teams and those teams who are in that win now mode and able to to spend to that, this essentially is a way of spreading that wealth because you're making those teams who are going to do everything they can to spend as much money as possible and get as many players in. They are having to make sacrifices and teams are benefiting from it. Now I would you know, the flip side to that argument is we'll look at San Jose. They managed to get a fourth round pick for essentially, you know, a couple of hundred, uh, well, good, God knows how much actual cash it would be, but 25% of a player's salary for three months. So then you've got to look at, well, actually, that player that comes out in the fourth round, they've probably looked at that San Jose and gone, well, that's actually quite a cheap way of getting a prospect who's probably quite high up. So that's a team like San Jose benefiting from the Leafs kind of <laughs> greed in a sense in terms of their going for that. And then it does spread that wealth out. And again, a team like Columbus moving somebody like Riley Nash, who you mentioned was on um, uh, IR at the moment, 
So he moves off those books, therefore freeing up. It would potentially free up money for Columbus, but that's not what they want to do. But they're getting stuff back in return, which then means that they are getting players kind of on the cheap, essentially, during their rebuild. So it's all about spreading that wealth because you're always going to have rich teams and not so rich teams in these leagues. It's just going to be the way it is. And it's how I'm not saying this is the perfect system, but it's how you make sure that that wealth is redistributed and those picks and those prospects are redistributed around the league so that actually we do keep some of that parity. And I don't know, but I think the NHL is unbelievably kind of a, a level playing field in terms of other sports leagues that I follow. Like most teams can kind of get good regardless of their finances. Okay, there are some juggernauts maybe we should say that you know (laughs) have a bit more money than others but uh, yeah I I find it's interesting but I do think that there are teams who do very well out of you know uh, out of kind of facilitating those deals as well I mean your San Jose's are going to be very happy because they've actually done quite well out of it but teams who are say going to go up against Vegas are going to be looking at it and going well they're getting Yanmark for like a 500k cap hit um, but then the flip side had, is that they had to give away Nate Schmidt for a third to Vancouver. Well, yeah, I, I think I think for fans as well, it does make it really complicated to follow. Like we had the question from from Rachel, and I think yeah. the whole retention of salary for me, I would just make two simple changes so you can only have the salary retained once. So mm. you then remove the need for the third team being involved. And and if you can't if you can't trade players that are already on LTIR, then you can't find that loophole as well. And then I think it just becomes a lot more simple and easier for fans to follow. Again, I'm only really playing devil's advocate. I don't necessarily believe that that's it's quite interesting that though, but as well, because you've got teams, I'm sure there are teams like Columbus and other teams who don't want to be spending a lot of money on players who are injured right now. Because remember LTIR, while the the cap doesn't or the money doesn't count against the cap, you are still playing those players or paying those players, sorry, yeah. um, to sit essentially on your bench. Now, for, for teams like the Leafs and the, the Lightning and teams like that in New York, they don't care. Like It doesn't matter whether they're paying those players to sit around and do nothing. But to some teams who run a much tighter ship, having a player who they're paying an insane amount of money to who is doing nothing essentially doesn't really give them that cap relief. So being able to move Riley Nash to the Leafs and saying, here's your problem. And, you know, you take the cap relief and we'll take the actual, we don't have to pay that guy's wages could be the difference for some of those um, less wealthy NHL teams to do other things. But I do get your point. I, I, I find it fascinating and I appreciate the position I am at the moment with a, as a Leafs fan, you know, we, we absolutely push the system to the absolute limits. You know, Brandon Pridham, the guy who I mentioned earlier is the Leafs assistant GM. He was one of the people who was working at the NHL to design this whole cap system. I mean, <laughs> if there is one guy who knows how this works, he's, he's like now the, working for the Leafs. You know, like in the Hunger Games where the people who write yeah. the, the games, that's basically what he was. Essentially, he wrote the games and then he went to one of the teams and said, well, hey, I mean, I would love to know how much that guy gets paid because, <laughs> you know, he, he essentially has enabled the Leafs to bring in, you know, a, an insane amount of players and people and put together. But as we know, and as Matt has pointed out to me this week, has it brought us any success, Matt? No, it hasn't. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
like I say, it hasn't broken any rules, so I'm not really mad about it. Yeah, yeah. But I just think, from a fan's point of view, you yeah. want to see the cap make things fair. There's all these loopholes around yeah. it, and it makes it hard to follow. If you just simplify it a bit, I think it makes it better. But yeah. we'll see. So I wonder, like, even with tax as well, because if you've got, like... You know, yeah. a Canadian team playing one bit, an American team, and like you know that the tax system is completely different. Like, I do wonder but for a player, it. they might be like, nope, nope, not going there. I want them to pay fifty percent because that means I get less tax to pay. <laughs> well, when we talk about parity, that's always been one of the things that has been a bit contentious because the, the likes of Tampa have, you know, players can move there and live there and pay no tax. Whereas if they move to somewhere like Montreal, it is an unbelievably high income tax. So essentially you could say to your Stephen Stamkos when he's an unrestricted free agent, okay, if you take a $2 million cut here and play for us here in Tampa, not only does that mean we are able to build a better team around you, but essentially that money you would have just been paying in tax in one of those other areas. And so getting that, getting that absolute parity across different teams is, uh, yeah. And supposedly if you are a Maple Leaf, you can earn an astronomical amount of money through advertising. You know, Ilya Makayev, like a, a, a borderline fringe player from the Maple Leafs has adverts running in Toronto for, for soup because he once said that he likes soup. I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that you can do in a market like Toronto, which if you've got went the to wrong Arizona, player doing that, haven't they? Uh, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just because he said he likes soup, that's one of the things he liked about North America. But, you know, you go to Arizona, you're not going to be advertising soup if you're a, you know, a bottom a depth forward see just talking about like the difference between america and canada as well so as i mentioned on last week's podcast i decided to watch some other games not that i'm bored of watching my team the toronto maple leafs but i think we're we're now preparing for playoffs i i feel very nervous saying that still but they certainly look like last night they were uh, thinking about the playoffs absolutely but anyway um i decided to watch some more american teams and actually it's been some uh, there's just been buzzing games but the thing that i noticed instantly was obviously there were fans in american um teams whereas in canada we're so used to like full max like blown in fan sound and then the like i watched um i watched loads of minnesota wild this week actually i watched uh the game where they lost um 9-1 to the st louis blues I mean, I thought their defence was just completely disappeared. The goalie was just left out, hung to dry. But I went on like a weird little research pattern going and figuring out who Capo Kakonen actually is, which was fascinating. I'll tell you about him in a second. Um, So then they were kind of hung out to dry. But then I also watched Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers because we'd said like Florida Panthers are just on fire. And like you can really understand why both those teams are at the top, like just the defense just did all the work so that the goalies they didn't not that they didn't have to do anything but compared to like what the guy in Minnesota Wild was having to do everything and you look at the shots on goal and you can see like Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers that's a team that's got their defense sorted you're talking like 22 24 shots on goals that's compared to say like 38 shots on goal from St. Louis Blues on Minnesota Wild so I thought they were really interesting teams. Sometimes it's just quite nice to kind of step back and 
watch the team so you can kind of get a bit more clarity on how you're doing and, and what's what's working? I don't know if you guys ever do that. Well, this this year particularly has been is been odd for that, hasn't it? Because you know you could entirely be forgiven for only watching teams in your own division, which doesn't even normally happen because you would play teams outside your division and across all all the teams. Um, so you would get a bit of a sight, and it's going to be very weird when it comes round to playing those different teams in the playoffs because they're going to be teams that you've got absolutely no idea how your team is going to face up against them because they've not even played in that division or you know that kind of hockey um i watched the uh the la vegas game last night after the leafs game and um yeah it, uh, it's funny because again and i've i've watched a couple of minnesota games and those those games are they're teams that are very easy to kind of just stereotype in your mind through what you hear through kind of reading articles and stuff. But then when you actually get to watch them, it is, it is different. And you get to see some names like Kaprasov for the, you know, Minnesota wild is this absolute wonder kid. Like the guy is insane what he can do. Um, and yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I don't know, Matt, whether you, I mean, you've got quite a lot on with, you know, young child and everything and uh, <laughs> yeah, but I do, a I team do, who are playing every other night currently. I do tend to West. watch, um, I'll watch random little bits of other games if I'm up in the middle of the night with uh, said child. Um, if the stars aren't playing, I'll try and catch, I'll just see what games are on and pick one and try and watch the teams. Because I do think it it's important to kind of um, almost see what, what level the other divisions are playing at because it's uh, i mean i've had this argument with Jolan before that the the actual league table this year is absolute nonsense because you can't compare any of the teams because they're not playing each other they're only playing their own division so the division tables are the ones that that matter but so the only real comparison you've got is watching the other teams and seeing their style of play and and how good they are defensively and everything and so yeah it is it is interesting watching um watching other divisions see minnesota wild are quite an interesting one or have been this week because there's so much going on you know they kind of bounced and and did this crazy win over colorado avalanche um eight three and then two days later they basically suffer their worst loss in their franchise history it's only 20 years but still not necessarily great and it sounds like they're probably going to have to go through colorado avalanche if they want to get to the Stanley Cup. So doesn't look that great. And then they had um, a game that they cancelled by choice last night because of various kind of unrest that's happening in Minnesota, um, the death of Dante Wright. Um, so not just Minnesota Wild, but all sport was cancelled in Minnesota. There's a curfew in place from 7pm because of this political unrest that is continuing. Um, I mean, I, I kind of made me think they seem a bit like a pendulum really at the moment where they go from one end to the other. Are they going to be able to keep themselves together to actually stay in a playoff spot? That but seems a bit undecided. Looking at their standings, and it it was something that you know I, I was I thought was temporary um, with Minnesota, but you know they're they're third in their division at the moment, they're on fifty one points. St. Louis are next up with forty four. Now in hockey, that is a big swing to turn that around, and for St. Louis to overtake them, let alone the fact that for them to be, to drop out of the playoffs, they'd need Arizona and St. Louis to kind of. Um, overtake them so I think their you know their playoff spot is is all but confirmed really unless they go on a real slide 
Um, but they have been a real um, surprise team, I think, this year because they've had their COVID issues as well. They had time off earlier on in the year and it was looking difficult for them. Um, but yeah, a real surprise. But you're right about their path. I mean, they are going to have to play Colorado or Vegas and you can't see them winning over a seven-game series. Um, but but also, yeah. like St. Louis Blues didn't do anything in the trade. Some people seem to be pretty surprised by that. A, a difficult one for them, though, because... I mean, they're they're already kind of built for a, a t- t- to win, like they because they obviously did win not that long ago. Um, they're really struggling in goal. Binnington's not having a good year at all, and they're in a difficult position where they're right on the edge of the playoffs. So they can't really be sellers, and they can't really go out and offload a load of players. But equally, are they confident enough in this group of players? And results this year would suggest maybe not to go out and spend future stuff on them so they're they're one of those teams along with the likes of Arizona and others around there that have just decided to let's just see what we've got go with this group they haven't done enough to prove to us that we need to go out and spend more but let's see what happens I think the real apparently um according to Elliot Freeman uh St Louis were in for Taylor Hall um yeah but they just couldn't get the deal done um and I think Taylor Hall ended up saying having the choice because if he's NTC that he, he could choose where he wanted to go. Clause, um, yeah. Yeah. So we talk about do something. Should we talk about Taylor Hall? Because he was he I mean he was the biggest kind of free agent move and he you know I mean he was he's always a free agent seemingly and always on the move, but he was the kind of the big name. He was the big signing. How uh, many teams has he actually played for? He's played for a lot. Yeah. Edmonton, New Jersey. But as I pointed out, he Arizona. hasn't to Jolan, he hasn't played for a good team yet. <laughs> You know, no. this is this is his chance playing for a, you know, a decent team. We couldn't possibly say that the Bruins are a good team. That's your opinion only. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I mean, I did. I, yeah, I was sick in my mouth a little bit when I saw him go to the Bruins just because it's the Bruins. But um, I think it's really interesting. And it, you're talking about those cap things and how the trade deadline went. Buffalo are getting an absolute hammering for this deal because... They did it the day before. So they did it at midnight the day before the deadline. And uh, essentially, they got a second round pick for Taylor Hall from the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, sorry, from the Boston Bruins. And now for a guy like Taylor Hall, who is the top name on the board coming into the trade deadline, you are going to be wanting as a fan base to be seeing a first round pick coming back your way or something similar. Um, And... The difficulty, as Matt point, pointed out, Taylor Hall had a no-move clause. So essentially, this deal was doomed from the beginning because Buffalo really, the moment they gave Taylor Hall a no-movement clause on, remember, a one-year deal this year, he got $8 million, one-year deal at the beginning of the season. And with that full no-move clause, Taylor Hall can basically decide where he goes, essentially, because he can say, he can veto any deal that he doesn't like. He can say, right, we're going to send you to St. Louis, blah, blah, blah. We're getting a first round pick back. Great. He goes, no, I don't want to go to St. Louis. And Taylor Hall wants to go to Boston. He had said in an interview after the trade, he said that, you know, it had been on the cards that he might go there before. It just didn't quite work with the cap. And that's why he ended up going to Buffalo and all this kind of stuff. And you, we just don't know how much choice Kevin Adams, the Buffalo GM actually had at the end of the day. Because, and Buffalo and Boston would have known this. Like Boston would have known that Taylor Hall wanted to go there, 
and they would know they probably are in a position to lowball them. And the the alternative is Taylor Hall stays with Buffalo Sabres and they get nothing for him. So really difficult situation. But I I, I struggle to criticise the deal. However, actually, this is all because they gave him that no move clause, which was the reason why they're in this mess now. So I don't exactly mean I don't think they shouldn't be criticised. And if I was their fan base, I would be just head in hands. Like, I don't know what you guys think about that deal. I mean, if you look at Boston, what, the 39 games played. So they've got, what, three in hand against um, the teams who are top of the table. They're sitting, yeah, sitting fourth just by four points. So I guess if you're a New York Rangers or Philadelphia Flyers fan, you're kind of thinking, hey, Boston have just basically beefed up their goal scoring capability. Um, crap. Like, you know, they're, they're coming out. They've, they've just got to... They've got to go for it. Boston are going for it. And so have you seen Boston's blue line at the moment, by the way, as a, as a fun little aside, Boston's blue line is essentially a bunch of kids. Like there is nobody at the moment. They picked up this guy from um, Ottawa. I think his name was um, something Riley. I can't remember his first name. He's M. Mike Riley, yeah. Mike Riley, um, who is like a depth pickup. Like he's a kind of a, a kind of third pairing defenseman, probably on the, on the Bruins. And um He's probably going to play on the top unit in in Buffalo at the moment, uh, in Boston at the moment, because they are so short of D. Um, well, they've the got injuries in their goalies yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both Rask and Halak have both been out. They've been playing like me and Matt were laughing earlier on in the week because we were we were kind of signing these Boston kids who were playing in goal in our fancy teams and. I mean, it, it's crazy that they are even where they are. So when those players get back fit and add Taylor Hall into, you know, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, Taylor Hall. I mean, he's <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. It's, it is an interesting uh, tactic that they've gone for because they haven't they haven't strengthened that much in defence. You know, like you say, they brought in Riley. Um, they've they've gone with the idea that we're just going to score one more than you. Now they shipped eight the other day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're going to have to score quite a lot. So they they need Taylor Hall to get going straight away because well, and they he'll need quite to easily get, drop out of that. Get that going tonight. Spot. They play Buffalo well, yeah. tonight. That's the best Beautiful. part of this. That yeah, there is no points, quarantine. Yeah. And actually, it was a bit of an arms race in the end in the in the East. Those teams, you know, Washington brought in Anthony Mantha from Detroit. Um, the Islanders brought in Carl Palmieri a couple of days ago from New Jersey and Pittsburgh brought over Jeff Carter from the uh, from LA Kings. So, you know, all those teams are at the top of the East, which has been a, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a bloody league this year in terms of battling it out. Like they all kind of signed players and tried to go for it. So they all think that they have got a chance of going for it this year. Um, but a lot of it's going to come down to goalies in this in that division because you've got next to no goalie depth and a lot of those teams have struggled. Washington have struggled this year with their goaltenders. Pittsburgh have struggled this year with the goaltenders. Boston have obviously struggled with their goaltenders. And it, it could come down to that, a couple of unhealthy goaltenders and one of those teams is, is dropping out. But those, the way that those teams all kind of you know, you can imagine the GMs kind of sitting there going, what? So Washington, the Islanders and Pittsburgh have all signed somebody. Right. Let's get Taylor Hall. Like we've got to do something. <laughs> like, it was a bit of an arms race in the East. 
And even in like the central division, Matt, you know, you, you look at that fourth place right now, Nashville sit there, 47 points. Chicago's underneath with 45. You're underneath with 41. You've still got three games in hand above these guys. And even then, Columbus are 39 points, although they've got, they've played a lot more games. I mean, it's actually pretty super tight and that could go up and down all over the place but do you want to explain why you're not feeling so uh chipper today because of this whole vancouver canucks get the special treatment but we don't at dallas <laughs> it's not just dallas though is it it's philadelphia and, and minnesota well, and speak for the entirety of the american nation <laughs> uh no i i mean i think so Vancouver have obviously been hit towards the end of the season with COVID and the NHL has decided to extend their, their season by seven days, I think it is. And had that been an option for all the other teams that have been hit by COVID, they'd probably been in a lot better places in terms of their play, their injuries. Um, I mean, certainly from a Dallas point of view, we've got several players who've been trying to play through an injury and because of the amount of injuries we've got, um, people like Rope, Hints, Radulov, they're trying to play through injuries four or five times a week. They're not recovering. They're getting worse. It now looks like Radulov's going to have to have surgery. I mean, th- th- this is players' livelihoods and, you know, their health that has been put at risk by these schedules. Um, and, that extra week and the few days off here and there could have stopped some people getting injured, could have helped them recover and actually then come back healthy. I mean, Philadelphia probably got rushed back for the um, the, yeah. the outdoor games. That's what Ray says. Ray tweets here, I'm a Flyers fan. Our season got derailed because the league rushed us back for the outdoor game. We then, <clears throat> the bed, during a schedule-packed March, Canucks should be made to cram in games too if calendar doesn't allow points percentage should be used. And and the Canucks are going to have to cram in the games. And, and so... You know, you can argue well they haven't got an advantage, and it's and for me it's not about the Canucks having an advantage, but all the talk was always about points percentage was going to be used, but then they just forced all the teams to cram in all their games instead of going with points percentage, and mm. and and I kind of feel like if there was an option, if they, if it's even an option to extend the season, they should have done it for everyone at the beginning, um, when all these hits started happening instead of cramming it in. Um, I mean, I, I gotta say, because it does have a knock-on effect. Like, it does affect me. I will give you some sympathy. Um, just aside before before I make the point, Chris actually tweets as he's a Dallas fan and and you know shares your pain. He says, um, you know, I hope Dallas Stars are considering what action they should take against the league. Clear bias, you know. Dallas have had to overcome so much more. Um, and I think what I was thinking was, so Canucks have got, what is it, something like 19 games in 31 days. I mean, could you imagine footballers doing that? Just couldn't handle it. But what annoys me more is that the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to begin in America before they do in Canada. Now, we as Toronto, we've done everything right. You know, we're, okay, we haven't had COVID. But now we're, we're at a time when we should be resting we're going to have to still be playing games. Have I got that right, Jolon? Uh, yeah, so they're going to delay the start. And what, but 
but you know some of the things i've heard out which which kind of terrify me about this is that they're talking about well if the leafs and montreal for example are in the first round so two teams who are right next to each other geographically um then what they might do is make them play back-to-back nights or play um four games in five days like that kind of thing and to try and try and basically catch up the North division. So they'd have Edmonton and, and Winnipeg um, battling it out you know, in that kind of condensed schedule. And the frustrating thing for, for me with that, and yeah, yeah same, because we always think of our own team. But well, Vancouver you're right, aren't you know, even the, in the playoffs. If they were in a playoff spot, I get it. But that's, that's, that's the frustrating thing. And th- this is where I don't believe it's anything like there's not a sinister undertone or a bias or anything like that because Vancouver Canucks are not making the playoffs. Like, especially now there is absolutely no way that team is going to make the playoffs because they've not only that there is a, you know, there's a personal side to this. They've been hit hard by COVID and they've had a lot of players who are, you know, very ill and we kind of have to separate the kind of, you know, the, any criticisms, criticisms we make about this situation is all about the kind of the sport. And, you know, we shouldn't forget the fact that there are kind of, you know, people going through some very hard times at the moment as they have done with other teams previously but the thing that I do find a little bit odd about this is the league is the league is making this adjustment for a team that essentially isn't going to be involved in the playoffs so it's odd to make uh, such a big effect on all of those other teams for that team what I will say is and I don't know maybe this is just a bit of a simplistic view but I genuinely think the only reason this has happened is because of the timing of when it happened not because it's Vancouver not because it's a Canadian team or over an American team I genuinely think way back when when we were having those problems earlier on in the NHL season and remember that was you know the Dallas Dallas and some of those other teams that we were only like what a month in Matt something like that when well, the stars was before the season even began that's right yeah so there were, it was right at the beginning of the season and the league was so kind of concerned as to whether they would even be able to get a full season their full season done this year and I just think they will have looked at those Philadelphia and those um, Dallas and other teams as well those situations earlier on in the year And they will have said, if we can make it work without adding extra games at the end of the season, at this point in the season, we have to try to do that. Because who knows whether these teams are going to have another bout of this and have another outage. Therefore, we're going to preserve this kind of extra runway at the end until we absolutely have to use it. And now you can look at whether that's fair or whether that's right or not. But I, my impression is from reading it, and from a fan who's not directly involved with it, other than it might impact our playoffs potentially, is that I just think they've got to a point now where they are so close to the end of the season that they have worked out that, well, if Vancouver can get through this um, bout of COVID that they're going through, the chances are they're not going to have to go through it again. Like we are in the final run into the playoffs. And I think it's just that earlier on in the season, the NHL was not willing to use that those reserve dates or extend the season because they, they could just picture, well, if we do this at the beginning, we could potentially be running and running and running with this because every time a team went to into COVID protocol, we could be adding an extra week. And before you know I it, mean, the Stanley I, Cup's in October. I think, I think you're right. I think it is just due to the timing. I don't think there's anything you know particularly sinister about it. But my biggest issue with it is we we're very aware of the effects that covid have on people's um 
respiratory systems, yeah. on their fatigue and all of this. And the Dallas GM, Jim Neal, has come out this week and said that there are still several players who are struggling with the effects of COVID from the beginning of the season. But yet they've been forced to do this crazy schedule. Now, surely the league should have looked at the teams that have had COVID and looked at the effects of COVID and said, actually, it's safer for us to extend the season by a couple of weeks for everybody, spread it out and give them the opportunity to try and recover. Because even with the taxi squads, when when you've got 17 players with COVID, like the Stars had and, and like Vancouver have got, the taxi squad's got it. Everybody's got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you've, you've got players who are going to be affected for the next six months. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Claire. You know, we've got to play for another few days. But you, you struggle to get my sympathy because Toronto have been playing two or three games a week for the last two months. You know, you've, you've got the teams, a lot of teams playing four, sometimes five games in a week, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And having to travel back-to-backs with travel on top of that you know it's just it's just crazy and and i do think it's a bit irresponsible really i Um, I think they're so they are so keen on particularly with the way the vaccine rollout has been in the states and all that kind of stuff they are just so keen to get back to a normal schedule by next season that they have yeah they are probably making decisions about this season where maybe if that wasn't the driver they would have yeah, I mean, ev- those. everyone in the Stars organisation now has been fully vaccinated, apparently. Um, yeah. So, you know, you'd like to think going forward that's is not going to be a problem. Um, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of the other American organisations are exactly the same. So well, that's like, the crazy thing, isn't it? We talk about parity and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. it's like, well, hang on a minute, what the the American teams are all going to be vaccinated, and the Canadian teams aren't, and all of this kind of stuff. Like, I think the other thing to say is there, you know, this is not, and we can forget because we can be watching these sports, and we can we can just think back to a time when sports was as simple as watching sports. But you know, to to get any professional sports season out and um, to play during this pandemic is a miracle really and i i think my sympathies do lie a little bit with the league in terms of they obviously once they commit to doing this they have to do everything possibly uh, that they possibly can to make it work while also of course you know one of their main goals should be looking after that player safety as well and i just think that it is an impossible scenario that these leagues have found themselves in and they are just trying to kind of stumble through with some kind of league to the point that when you know things are looking a little bit brighter but it just shows I mean you know William Nylander on the Leafs this this week um, you know has been out on Covid protocol and supposedly this was just because of um, you know a kind of a test and trace thing he hasn't got it and he's tested negative ever since but the Leafs have essentially said we are keeping him as far out as possible from the team out of an abundance of caution and other teams are doing the same because they've all seen that, you know, this, this will de like, if this happens to you now, this will derail you as a team. Like, and it doesn't matter how well built you are and how good a trade deadline you have. If you have COVID sweet through your room, then forget it this time of year. And it's a kind of, I think, um, yeah, it's a terrifying time. As a fan. I think, I think uh, not to go off on too much of a tangent about, uh, how the NHL views player safety 
but they're pretty much a joke anyway in that regard regarding hits and suspensions yeah. and yeah. and fines you know your star players like um just get a five a five grand fine which is not comparable to the 13 million dollars that they're on and for a similar thing uh, a lesser known player gets a three match ban yeah although you know, for pretty I, much I was, the same thing i was moaning about that the other day but then i read into it and that's something that the players fought for in their own cba so their yeah. own central bargaining agreement they were the ones that pushed for that maximum allowable amount I mean, the, of fine is five grand and then they're the ones complaining well Conor mcdavid elbowed me in the head well like well of course yeah, he's gonna he do it but he doesn't get a ban, but somebody like yeah, uh, yeah, Stevenson yeah. gets a ban, and and you know your big your big stars get away with it. And I just don't I don't feel hundred percent comfortable bashing the league, saying that they don't care about player safety. When I do, I'm not saying they are guilt free, but I do think players do play a part in that, and the whole hockey game and the whole hockey culture plays a part in that. And I think there's there's a lot, lot more that has to be done on both sides if 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 player safety is going to become the number one game and I, I thing in town and I'm not 100 sure hockey will ever get to a point where player safety is number one because the the whole game of hockey is a bit of a I mean that's fair enough. it's a dangerous sport but I'm not saying that you know I'm not saying you're wrong about the league I'm sure there are things they could do but I just think there's a whole hockey culture thing is <laughs> possibly just as dangerous sometimes as uh, I think that's a good as, point uh, like and fine. And, and as someone, you know, you follow NFL as well and and people before have compared the NFL's um, treatment of, say, like the, the previous players who've got concussion, who are living with the symptoms of concussion and how the NFL treated them and how much they paid them in terms of compensation. And then yeah. we, we've discussed before in this podcast, like in terms of player safety, concussion, NHL most of the time doesn't always actually accept that there is an issue or... Um, they need to do something about it. They don't think that these guys should be compensated. If they are, it's not very much. So, yeah, it's interesting. If you go and you know, if you if you go and join, if you start playing the NFL now and you start playing American football with your goal to play in the NFL, uh, that's not the league. That's not the league's fault now because the news is out. When they're trying to hold back information, when they're trying to hide reports, when they're trying to silence doctors into saying about the risks that's when the league has responsibility we've now gone beyond the point now in the nfl where anybody going into play that sport should be well aware of the risks of concussion and those kind of things and i think generally you would hope that people are intelligent enough that if you go into any contact sport like ice hockey nfl anything like that you know heading footballs is one over in this country that's a fascinating one at the moment because that's getting a lot of press attention there's a lot of stuff about that well probably because they just hurt the hair well but it, well no but is it you know there's a serious side to it with you know, mm. you know players from you know that 66 world cup team you know how many of them are, are, are dying much younger and from kind of brain related injuries yeah and because that was a time in the in their life when they used to do, do constant heading drills for hours on end and it, you know, it, it's such a it's such a difficult thing because these sports, obviously, and it goes back to the COVID thing. These leagues have got to do the best for their league in terms of they have got to try and make a product that makes money and is successful. They will say that player safety and all those things is top of their priority list, but I would I would be surprised if it was because of course they've got to try and make this league work and under covid they have got to try their best to get an nhl 
2020-2021 season in the books and done. And yeah, their decision-making will all be down about, you know, how they do that and stuff. Mm. But saying all of that, uh, which throws my argument completely out of the window, I think the Canucks should have just done it on points percentage because they're not even going to make the playoffs anyway. Why are we even bothered? <laughs> like, Why are the Canucks bothered? They should literally just say, they should end their season and say, you know, it came at a bad time for us, points percentage, and we're not going to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm genuinely shocked how diplomatic you were in that whole segment, Jolyn. I, how on earth am I the one that was ranting and Matt was ranting and you were basically saying, well, hang on, guys, let's consider the full picture here. I'm at genuinely shocked. Normally, Jolyn is the real passive. <laughs> ranty moody one and i'm the one who's like but maybe we should think about this wow i did not see that coming should we just round up uh, with like the big trade deadline so i a i very tweeted... sleep deprived player I, I, claire i think that's it <laughs> so red wings washington capitals the verana the yeah. mantha deal okay so washington capitals uk tweeted us it's it's one of those uh, ones now that you start to read and see the in-depth decision making it makes some sense especially the panic part but losing the picks in Verana is in is the Caps baby has sentimental value and you're always rooting for him take care of him uh, to a couple of our Detroit Red Wings fans one of those is Adam Smale and he says fair all-round Caps get a great shooter, Wings get a couple of decent vets and some decent picks. Glad for Tony, he's got a shot at a cup. Looking forward to watching the Caps power play with him and Ovi. So, I mean, both sides here seem pretty happy. There doesn't seem to be any fans moaning. Like Detroit, they they actually did quite a lot, considering that they kind of, I wonder whether summer might be a bit busier for them, but they're still kind of muddling around and, you know, getting their hands in there, even though they're way down there, right, you know, near the bottom. Are they at the bottom? I'm not quite sure. Maybe yeah, not total. They're above there. Buffalo. Mm. Yeah, of course. They I, think, are. <laughs> I think the thing with Detroit is just every trade deadline, they seem to pick up more picks, more picks, yeah. more picks. I, you know, at some point, this rebuild has got to get some yeah. traction. You I know, thought that was uh, a mean. Yeah. I think, I think the reason they've moved Mantha on is because they think the rebuild's going to take longer than they thought. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Frana's a good a good signing to bring in. They've got two more picks. I don't think it's a bad trade for them. But when is the Detroit rebuild going to actually start to move on, move forward and start to look positive? I, I don't think they're actually as bad a team as, as I've said on this before. When the, from what I've seen of them this year, they can be a very good side and they can also be terrible and they're they're a bit inconsistent. But there were signs there in some of the games I've seen that they're a very good side. They keep beating Tampa. Yeah, I know. I you keep know, looking at that. They're not that. You can't be that bad if you beat in Tampa. Beat Carolina um, so, the other night as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think. So, so I think you know there's positive signs there, and I don't think it's an awful trade for them. Um, but yeah, they need they need to start making some positive moves. One thing with Detroit, and I wonder whether this was because you know they they have talked about, or I think it was Elliot Friedman on Thirty One Thoughts. Which, by the way, if you want a proper thorough in, kind of going through the whole trade deadline, I can't recommend that podcast enough. They released it this morning. Um, but he mentioned about the fact that Detroit have kind of accepted the fact that their rebuild is going to take a little bit longer, and and Mantha's contract 
would they would be getting towards the end of that by the time that they would be trying to be good again so what's the point in keeping him around um but i don't know anecdotally i feel that detroit haven't had very high picks and they've been a bit draft lottery unlucky but i don't know whether that's the case i'm just trying to think well, back and i they need to stop winning so much then, don't they? Well, no, they haven't done in the last few years. They have been right down at the bottom. But the, I think the draft lottery has not been particularly favourable to them, which might be why they haven't got these kind of superstars. And, you know, Adam and other people would correct me on that far more informed view on it. But I just wonder whether it's taken them a little bit longer to get those kind of um, those real high end players who they're then going to use but they if you have a look on their cap friendly they have got picks coming out of their ears 11 in the first five rounds this year wow the Leafs have got like two in the entire draft yeah 11 isn't that interesting and hey new york rangers how's your picks uh your draft lottery win working um, out also a now. quick shout to um columbus as well because they had a very good trade deadline for a team who decided to very late in the day start selling you know, it was real. Uh, there was a real question mark whether they would go into this deadline as sellers or not, and they've obviously decided that that is the case. Um, <laughs> a little bit. I don't know if you saw the line A goal last night, which was uh, a wonderful kind of um, summing up of Columbus's position at the moment, because Patrick Line has basically been left on this Columbus team in now more ways than one, um, with all of his kind of other teammates leaving the door, being uh, traded for first round draft picks. And Line last night picks up the puck in his own end and just skates up the other end and scores on his own, beats the entire team he was playing all on his own and scores. And uh, the, it was basically saying, well, there's no one left. I'm going to have to do this myself. Like, there is no other Blue Jackets around for me to play with. Should and, we just uh, uh, add another line in the central table? Patrick yeah, Line. Okay. Well, as somebody who's had him on my fancy team for a good few weeks, he would be rock bottom because until the last couple of games, he has been atrocious. Um, but uh, Columbus Col- have obviously decided that, you know, change. Columbus did do things. well. Because yeah. they picked up two first round picks, yep. so they've now got three in the first round this year. Um, and other than the the first from Washington to Detroit, I don't think there were any other first round picks that were traded. I'm struggling to think of any. There were a lot of seconds and thirds that went. Um, so yeah, they they did pretty well, Nick Felino and and Savard to get first rounds for those. And Nick Foligno, it, it looks like you know he he was their captain, and all and his family are going to stay in Ohio, partly due to COVID, but also partly due to you know the Canadian border and stuff. But um, you know it, it seems like they he could potentially come back and sign with Columbus in the off season as a free agent. So you know at, when they've decided that they're they're done for the year and they're just going to you know get some assets back. You know, it's a, it's a Yarmo Kekalainen has had. He's been one of the most interesting GMs um, over the last few years because we'll remember the trade deadline a few years back when he went all in and basically just got emptied the stock cupboard to try and um, put a team together to to go and win a cup. And okay, they beat Tampa and then lost in the second round. But you know, then two years later, there he is selling them all off and and getting picks back. So he's been a fascinating trade deadline GM to follow 
Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting, these the days that rumble on after trade deadline. Like I say, normally on the night, I'm kind of quite confused. I'm like, every tweet, am I like, is this a big one? Should I be excited about this? I'm not really sure. But then it's like the in-depth articles that happen and also that question of what if, like, and the rumours that kind of come out, this almost happened, what if it happened? And I kind of like the rumblings around that. But ultimately, I think what is the most exciting thing is who, like, it's almost like don't get COVID, which team is going to get hit by COVID next? Because as you say, the these this pendulum of some of those fourth places in the divisions is so close on some teams. It just takes, you know, a couple of big injuries, um, you know, COVID protocol for star players. And that's it. You, you're out of a chance in these last, what, 15, less than 15 games. So a and really exciting part out, of the season. As Matt pointed out, the impact on those players goes on much longer than the time that they're on COVID protocol. So, you know, you're not going to shake that. The chances are you're going to have players who don't shake that off until, you know, they're way after the playoffs. And so, you know, teams have just got to be so careful and aware of that um but yeah it's a fascinating time of the year and there's there's so many moves and so many um things to try and follow and that is the thing like it all happens in a bit of a frenzy and matt messaged us in the group at at like 3 p.m eastern time saying it's all happening because elliot friedman basically tweeted out about six tweets in a few minutes saying all these moves it was like a football vidi printer just like (laughs) Goals coming in, just a rolling stream of, of and trades. He only, he only writes like like three letters per team. So it is like T-O-R and then that is it. And then they'll put another initial for another team and player. And it was, um, oh, it was incredible. But now we have the kind of the settling period, as you say, Claire, where those players join their new teams, they fit in, they start training with them and all that kind of stuff. And we start to see how those teams are going to fare over the next few They weeks. sit in a hotel room for seven days. Yeah, God, yeah. Can you imagine that though? If you're Nick Foligno and you, you know, you get traded and he had a no-move clause, so he chose to to go to Toronto. Um, but now essentially you're going to go, right, right, bye, bye family, bye kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm now going to go to Canada for a few months. I will see you I don't know when. <laughs> and uh, well, it's and the Leafs, so he might see them pretty quickly. There we go. There we go. <laughs> He's back. He's back. Well, look, let, we Matt need took to. Great glee this week in uh, telling me how bad the Leafs have been in the postseason uh, <sighs> since the turn. Oh, shocked. I, I looked it up and I couldn't believe how bad it was. We don't need to be reminded. Thank you. <laughs> it, it was Jolin's fault because he said that Nick Felino was a proven playoff player, and I looked it up and. Yeah. He's won just two series, which is one more series than Toronto have won in the same. In the last twenty years, yeah, or yeah. nearly like that. Yeah, eighteen years. So I now understand why he thinks he's a proven playoff player. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's a Stanley Cup winner from that point of view. <laughs> Flipping Nora, right? I think we need to round it up because Jolon's got to go do a night shift. Matt's yeah, got a baby duty, and I've got to have my tea. But I think next week, Jolon, I'm going to give you some time to think about this. I think, and listeners, you can join in this if you wish. I think we start with who's going to make the playoffs. I think we do like some weird, silly predictions. And then just we've done so well. Three we've weeks. done so well this season of avoiding predictions. And I will say, Matt's been a real good driver on that because he's uh, he's warned us by 
how bad our predictions have been previously. And I think it made sure that we didn't do any this year. But we could, We, I mean, we're going to get, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're going to get close to a playoff bracket in a couple of weeks. That's I know. Oh, so we're, we're I am do so a, excited. A, so pre, excited. a pre-playoff play pre-playoff <laughs> bracket. That's pre-playoff. really hard to say, and that's why pre-playoff I need to not pre-playoff. talk for a living. Anyway, um, yeah, let's see what drama unfolds over the next few days. Also, um, let us know. Let us know on Twitter and at NHL fans from afar, because we do only know so much about our own teams, really, and the kind of big headline moves. But I'd be really interested to hear from you if you're a fan of a team that we've not mentioned, maybe. Nashville, um, you know. Nashville, Carolina, you know, that move. Islanders. Flurry was bizarre. Um, Anaheim. Yeah, it would be it'd be great to hear from you. And if you could just give us a little report card on your team and how they did um, in the trade deadline um, and we'll have a look at them. So tweet us at NHL fans from far. We didn't mention that the Avs got their backup goaltender that they wanted as well. They Dubnik. did. Devin I mean, Dubnik. Their That's a backup. great pickup. So, there was yeah. a, a couple of those. So the Leafs obviously got um, Big Save Dave, Dave Riddich, um, and as their backup to the backup. And the Avs also got Devon Dubnik to back up for them. And I thought you I, were actually going to start rapping then, the way you kept going. <laughs> Devon Dubnik, back up, back up. Like, <laughs> it's all I'll say. Save and Dave. I feel, and I feel sorry for him, but it's the Michael Hutchison effect because Colorado got burned by him last year and the Leafs do not want to be burned by him this year, the poor guy. But uh, yeah, some, some goalie depth moves that did happen during the year, um, or during the trade deadline, which hopefully those players will not be needed because their number ones will stay healthy seems we'll be hoping well let's say optimist uh joe lon is still on board i think we better leave him on a high um and see yeah. and i would also like to report he is wearing some maple leafs merchandise so rumbling on from previous weeks he's still holding them in high regard veteran uh, veteran gear it's the old logo with tyler bozak on the back because I heard a rumour that the Leafs were going to sign Tyler Bozak from St. Louis as a depth forward pick. And that was going to make me really happy because that would be a great bit in the Amazon documentary when they were all reunited, you know, before they go and win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, because that's happening. Bye, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's where the dream ends. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and connect with us. We'll chat with you in the week. Cheers, Matt. Uh, and cheers, Jolon. Goodbye. Goodbye.